people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. For an agency? Catering company, I guess you'd call it. They just send you to places like this, huh? Pretty much. It's a full experience. You're not even cooking until next week. Well, I gotta get here and find the produce, you know, make sure everything's tip top. I just do the gig and I'll leave. I'm telling you, if you need a sous chef. Jack. I'm a good one, all right? Welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am speaking with director, writer, producer, editor, Nicholas Tomney, all about his new film, What You Wish For. The film is playing at this year's Fantastic Fest. Find out more information at the website wywfmovie.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. You've been in the industry for a long time. Can you tell me how you got your start and how you've made your way to this point of writing, directing, and editing your second feature film? I started as, as an assistant editor in Sydney in commercials, and then I made my way to becoming an editor there, and then I a director in Sydney, and then I moved to, to New York, and I continued editing commercials. And then I made The Perfect Host, which was an expansion of a short film I'd made in Sydney, which was my first film, The Perfect Host. And I, I still direct commercials from time to time in the Bay Area where, where I live, and I just, I'm just kicking along, man. I'm just I'm trying to have work. I'm writing screenplays, and yeah, I've, I've been a, a fan of movies for a long time, wanted to do this for a long time and I think that's one of the things about me maybe that I always think of filmmaking as, as an audience member I'm trying to like what do I want to see what's entertaining what do I find entertaining or interesting as an audience member rather than just me spewing out my own personal agenda like I'm trying to I'm trying to find something entertaining and interesting to say because that's what I want to absorb when I watch films so where did the idea of what you wish for come from it came from a whole bunch of stuff. I've had the, I had the idea of someone who was wanting to escape their own sort of life or situation and then assuming the identity of another person and then that turning out to be worse than their identity for a while, just that conceit. And then, but probably it all came together when, when I, I hit my mid forties and I was like realizing, oh, wow. I'm no longer just potential. This is, this is it. This is who I am. This is my life. There's an element of that in it. And then I started thinking about that idea with that notion. And then Patricia Highsmith played in there a little bit. But And then the final thing probably was that I was just responding to the world we're in now where profit and money is more important than everything else, it seems. And so how and how that's probably not a good thing is eroding our culture and, and our, our world and society a little bit. 
that's one of my favorite film noir tropes of assuming somebody else's identity and then finding out that you probably shouldn't have done that because that was a really bad idea. I view this film as a noir movie in that way too. And I think that there's probably no actual antagonist, like that Brian is his own antagonist. Like in the tradition of film noir is it's the char- central character's moral failings that, he, that, that act the undoing and the sort of create the drama and the tension. And so I think in that, it is absolutely in that tradition where it's like noir in its construction. So how did the film come to be? When did you start to actually put this all together? I wrote the film in over the fall and winter of 2020, 20, no, 2018 and 2019. Yeah. And, and then I had another movie that was actually going to happen and I had a movie star and money, a whole deal, and just fell through completely. And I was like, man. And I'd made the perfect host in 10 years before this. And I was, had been trying, I'd been trying to get a movie going. I had a few chances. I had money, I had cast, all this stuff. But there's this, it's this constant asking for permission. And you've got to, all these things have to align at the same time for things to happen. And I was getting fairly frustrated with that process. And I, had a very sort of stern talking to myself. And I was like, look, man, you just got to go and do this. You just, you've got to stop asking for permission from other people and do this yourself, which is so I produced this film. And so I realized, and then I looked at the, because I've been running screenplays fairly consistently for the past 10 years. And I looked at all the scripts I had. And this one was, I thought I can do this. I can make this movie. So that, and so I was, then I sent, and then I'd spent the very long process of raising the money for it through COVID and the whole deal. And yeah, so it's been a five-year process from writing it to now. Wow. When did you actually shoot it? In the fall of September, October 2021. Okay. We were still pretty much in the pandemic at that time, right? Yeah, that was that was tenuous. As it, as it, the whole world, everybody was in the same situation. When we had, I found a great company in, in Bogota, production services company, and we'd been prepping to do the movie and we were ready to go. And of course there were spikes, Omicron. And, and so we, it's just one of those situations where the summer came in 21 and and then the COVID just reduced dramatically in Colombia and we had to take, you know, we're just like, okay, let's just go, let's do it. Not knowing what was going to happen, we just began production. Tell me about your cast and the casting process. It was so nice to see Nick Stahl back after I, it's been a while since I've seen him. I was a huge Carnival fan, so to see him as a lead in a movie was terrific. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, man. I I feel the same way. I think he's a, a really brilliant actor, and it's one. Of, it's interesting. I mean, I was looking at a few actors, and then I started. I came across Nick's recent work, and immediately I was reminded of the older work that he was doing. And he it's one of those intuitive things where I saw him on screen, and I was like, "Yes, there he is. There's Ryan." I know he had taken a break from acting, had to reassess his priorities in life. You no, know, because he's a child actor. Yeah, he started really young, and it worked for I think twenty years as an actor, and then he took a bit of a hiatus. And kind of came back with a new, invigorated love for acting, which he told me. He's, so he's, he has this sort of new, has a new spin on why he's acting. And so I really feel, I'm hoping that this is going to be the beginning of more lead roles for him because he's great in the film, I think. And the, I mean, obviously the character is, the film is told subjectively. So we're seeing the whole movie through his perspective. <clears throat> Ryan had to be a compelling performance. So I think that Nick gave that. And this takes place in the rough and tumble world of the culinary establishment. Did you have to do a lot of research as far as the food and the cooking? Yeah, a little bit. My mom made cookbooks. That's what she did. That was her. That was, she was in, and it is her cookbooks. So I grew up 
with food and not that that actually played that heavily into it, but just like I'm aware of food and yeah. And then, so once I realized that it was going to be about food, I actually written another script set in restaurants. And so I'd done some research on that previous. And so then I used a bit of that in this and yeah, it was just a matter of the internet's an incredible resource, right? Knowing that I was going to had to create a menu, and so I started to spend a day going through what could I, what could it be, and how would it work, and it was an unusual day trying to figure out what it was, how it was going to work. But yeah, it, you see, the food has is a big part of the film, and it has to look delicious and be special. And so we had a food stylist on the day who was making it for us. And yeah, I was very curious about that because yes, the food does look amazing. Made me very hungry watching your movie. But can you tell me about your cinematographer? Because the film overall looks terrific. Yeah. So Mateo is a Colombian cinematographer. This is his, I believe this is his first non-Colombian, non-Latin American film. And he's got a great eye, really good visual sense. He, he traditionally had been working what he refers to as slow cinema, which is, so I guess, much more contemplative and it's more naturalistic and less about the camera and it's more about sort of how the actors letting things play out. So this was a bit of a departure for him. But from the get-go, I had said to him and the production designer, the three of us, I was like, look, I think what we need to do is we need to create a very seductive film and that it needs to look very like, glossy and aspirational. And so as an audience member, you also think, oh yeah, I'd like this. So that's my, was my hope. And so then we worked pretty hard to make the film feel that way. And that's why the film looks the way it does and feels the way it does is because hopefully it's playing into the theme of the film. And tell me a little bit as far as once you, once all these pieces lined up and you actually started to shoot, every movie is a challenge. What were some of your biggest challenges actually making this? Uh, We did it. It was 23 days. I know that people have shot it for less, but I found that very hard. Because I spent so much of my time just wondering, worried about making the day, the time. You just every filmmaker says the same thing. I'm sure, but it's just time is your enemy. And so then, so then, it was figuring out. Okay, these are this is the crew that we have. This is the days we have to do it. How can we execute the best movie with all these circumstances? And that became, and I'd set I'd set a certain style. There's a problem with the film is not handheld, rough and tumble. It's a very considered succinct style of filmmaking. And so that actually requires a different way of crewing a film. And so that was, was stressful. I gotta be honest, the whole, the, the, to create a sort of very precise film in 23 days was, that was the most challenging part of it because, and also trying to keep myself loose enough to be spontaneous with actors and stuff like that. Cause that's the other part is you don't want this sort of like rigid, but exacting film with sort of uptight performances. You want the opposite. You want loose, spontaneous performances within a rigid frame, I think. Or at least I did. Could be interesting for you to be a writer, the producer, the director, and the editor. And how slavish are you to your words as the director? How loose are you with your takes as the editor? What is that, trying to find that balance to be able to shepherd a project all the way through all those stages? I think that with... Then when you, at least for me, when I'm writing the script, I'm trying to write the best script I possibly can, the best story that I can on the page. So it communicates the, the feeling and the ideas as best as I possibly can do on a page. And it's all playable visually. It's playable. But then when you're shooting it, for 
for me, it's, I always forget, I've written it, but I try and forget about what's written and try and then respond to what the actors and the cinematographer and the house, the environment is doing with that script and make that, find the most interesting way to make that work. So if the dialogue changes and there's things happen, not at all concerned about changing things, if it's more interesting or if it's more genuine or if it's more spontaneous or if it, and try to be interact truthfully with, with what's happening there. And then the editing is probably just related more to the writing in a way that you, then you're, you have all this footage and you're like, okay, so this is what I intended to do. This is what I actually shot. Now, how do I marry the two? How, how do I find that? And so that, to be honest, that I'm, so I'm in, I have an editing background. And so that process was really enjoyable for me. I loved it. I was just cutting in this room five in the morning here. Just in here. It was great. I watched it with headphones on and the sound mix was really strong. I just noticed how great everything sounded and especially during some of the cooking scenes and things like that to hear the scrape of the pan and those things. It just all really came together so well. Oh, thank you. We, yeah, Jeffrey and I worked really hard to make it feel, again, I think this is the issue is when you take it when you take a style of filmmaking that's going to be precise, which I, th I think this film is a pre precise style of filmmaking, then everything has to be precise. So there's, there is a le level of labor that's involved to create that. And so there's a fastidiousness that's required to make that work. So yeah, there was a lot of labor involved to get it there. But I guess the trick is that you don't want the, you don't want the audience to feel the labor. It's just got to feel like it's there. But, but thank you for saying that. Yeah, we worked hard to make it feel full. When did you actually have your premiere? We premiered at uh, Fantasia, which was in August. And then uh, it went on to Fright Fest in the UK. And uh, we're playing fantastic at the end of the month. Are you going to actually be at the festival? I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to Fantastic Fest. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. How was it seeing it with an audience for the first time? It was great. So it, we saw, it's, I've seen two audiences, one at, in the evening, like eight o'clock and then one in the afternoon. And it was really interesting how the, the audiences were different. The evening audience, the black humor played pretty well. There was lots of vocal responses, people booing and ahhing and yelling. And that was enjoyable. That was, that's, I think every filmmaker enjoys a, a vocal response, right? And then the second screening was just a lot more, people were just sort of dialed into it more. And that was also interesting. They were just like in it but less vocal, but yeah, look, it's, I don't know. I've only made two movies and I find that quite a nerve wracking experience watching it with a, with an audience because you can feel it in the room, but when it's working, when it's actually going well, there's really nothing better. That's why we do it. Yeah. When you're in the editing process, do you do like test screenings with friends or anything to get feedback or do you just feel that you've got this on lock? Yeah. In this case, not really. I showed it to the other producers who live in Florida and, you know, they, I would show them, I showed them a couple of cuts and they got their notes. I showed my wife, who's one of the executive producers. But yeah, I think the prop, maybe I should show it to more people, but I actually I just cut it and was like, I think this is pretty good. I think the interesting thing is it was a very long post process. And as we were posting the movie, it's one of those weird things. If you, as soon as you send an email and it's gone, then you think, oh, Oh, no, I should have written it like this. I shouldn't like that. And so there was elements of that happening a little bit with the post. And so I would see things and luckily we were able to, I just like minor things to adjust, nothing structural, but just small things. So there was a lot of that going on. But in terms of the, look, in terms of 
the way the, the final product of the film, it's not that dissimilar to the script. I really just followed the script more or less. It's very close. Do you have distribution locked in and everything like that yet? We're happy to make a sale at Fantastic Fest. So that's, yeah. Do you know what you're working on after that? I got a stack of scripts. I've been writing fairly consistently for about a decade. And I have a couple of projects that I'm, that I want to make and produce what you wish for. I understand film as a producer now in a way maybe I didn't before. And that's informed what I want to do. And it's interesting. You've got to look at the film climate and where we are now and what's getting made and why it's getting made and stuff. But I have a few things that I've got that I'd love to make. So we'll see. Wonderful. Nick, thank you so much for your time. This was great talking with you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. Good luck with your screening. I hope you have a great time in Austin. Thank you. See you. Bye. I've been thinking a lot about ambition and how you might make it, whether you're a regular human or a rap human or any other human for that matter. So I guess if I had any kind of advice to give to anybody trying to do anything with their life, it'd probably be something like this. Don't work, just party, you'll be alright. Don't try so hardly, just live your life. I think we need a new religion, wound up, bound up in submission. Getting lost in the mission False definitions been causing derision All these people talking competition All these people talking is division First we gotta doubt those eyes Before we ever cross those bridges I mean talk television Cops, politicians Internet wisdom caught up in opinions But what kind of thoughts been given It's 2015, this is what I call ambition Come on Don't work, just party You'll be alright Try so hardly, just live your life. I read a book about a drunk, wrote an album and it took a lot of luck and it took a lot of rum and it looked a lot of fun. Be careful what you wish for, it could be what you want. I played a role in my mind, let him stay too long so he stole me blind. Left the oven light on so he stole my shine. Now I keep the doors locked and I close my blinds. I think I care just a little too much. It's hard to tell when enough's enough. They're only happy when I spill my guts in. I'm only happy when she fills my cup. Come on. Don't work, just party. You'll be alright. Don't try so hardly. Just live your life. I'm not a punchline rapper. Reduce price lunchline rapper. I went from unsigned rapper to kickback. Let me fucking know why I'm rapper. To emo for the primo kids. A little primo for the emo kids. I'm just focused where the people live. So, uh, you can suck my emo dick. What you want a pop culture reference? Vonnegut, Polonic, Onyx, Sonic. Oh, what you need on time trace? Go listen to some beats by Andre. Don't work, just party. You'll be alright. Don't try so hardly. Just live your life.